Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbert. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Well, hello, and welcome to the Big Ernie Insight Podcast. The new Who Doctor Who Watch Along Podcast. That just sounds like... Alonzi! <laughs> I don't like that one. That one's uncomfortable compared to the Christopher Eccleston one. <laughs> What's wrong, Tim? I'm just the 10th Doctor. Hello, I'm everybody, and welcome back to Big on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watched On podcast. Um, it's me and Harry again this week. Hope you're all well. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas, isn't it, Harry? Merry it's Christmas. Time. It's um, not actually Christmas it for us. Most, it's the, the most 11th of November. It's the yeah, 11th is this, is this of coming November. out? What day is this video coming out? Though, um, just for A couple of days before Christmas, I think. Ah, so like Christmas Eve, Eve the 23rd. Um... 18th, I think, round about then. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not going to be like an actual Christmas week. Is that is that the Christmas week? I don't um, know. I don't really know. I've got a note somewhere on my phone where it comes out. But because it's a Christmas special of Bigger on the Inside, ho, 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 Holly and Ivy and all that, uh, we're going to do the 2005 Doctor Christmas special, the Christmas Invasion, which is, um, I know we said it when we did um, Born Again, but this is our proper, proper first look at David Tennant's um, incarnation mm. of the 10th Doctor. Um, what was your thoughts on watching this, Harry? Um, it was a lot pacier than I remembered. Um, mm. In my mind, I remembered this episode as being like very slow and not a lot happening for like the first two thirds because David Tennant's kind of out of commission. He's like sleeping in bed. But actually a lot is still going on um, despite that. So the episode was Better than I remembered it being. Yeah. Um, is this your jumping on point for Doctor Who? Is this your first episode you watched, or haven't we got to that yet? Not quite. Uh, Not okay, quite. I did got... see this episode as a kid. I did see it, but I think... I must have seen it, like, the Christmas after it originally aired, as, like, a repeat. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. okay, so... I'm just going through my notes. So I, I, I had a strange feeling this might have been your first. But my first question is, uh, from what we see with Born Again, is that Rose was just kind of intending to carry on travelling with the Doctor, and the fact that she comes home is only a repercussion of the fact that the Doctor now has changed his face for the first time that we've ever seen. Um, do you think Rose was actually planning on coming home for Christmas? <laughs> Well, I mean, from what I can get from Born Again, like, in her mind, she was like, she wanted to come home because she didn't want to travel around with this effectively new guy that she didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, I don't know, it's, honestly, it's kind of better without Born Again, like, kind of being left kind of blank as to why exactly they've my, come back. I've My friend's yeah, my friend Josh said that he thinks they should have included the Born Again segment as almost a pre-title sequence to this. Mm, like a cold open. Yeah, where are you going? Harry's just stood up. Sorry. Um, I uh, Because I'm wearing a dressing gown right now for context, 
And yeah. I was like, huh, this I kind of like David Tennant does in the episode. And so I thought I would like put a piece of fruit in my pocket as like a gag, but I realized that people wouldn't be able to see it. So I was putting a piece of fruit back. <laughs> I know you went to put it back. Like I've never seen a comedian on stage like with a prop. And halfway through a routine, they've gone, oh, this prop isn't going to work. It just walks off the stage and puts the prop back. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it might have worked if people had been able to see me, but of course it's a... It's a podcast, so it doesn't really work. And then, what was I going to do? Just like bite into the apple while you're talking? It would have been very funny. <laughs> um, so Rose doesn't know that the tenth Doctor can regenerate. It's something that the Doctor seems to never tell a lot of his companions, leaving them in a state of bewilderment that when he does regenerate, they have no idea what's going on. Why do you when think guess- that is? I suppose the Doctor is quite a private person when they can be. I suppose I don't think the Doctor ever intends on dying when it when they're with one of their companions. Dying for them and regenerating is always, always kind of a last resort. If the Doctor can live through a situation, they will. Yeah. So I guess because of that, they feel like they don't really want to have to brace their companions for that. Yeah, I suppose it may be, but then... You, I suppose there's the option to talk about regeneration without actually going, I'm not going to look like this forever. You could just say, I used to look like this. So it just seems like a strange I mean, thing not to doesn't, mention. Doesn't the Tenth Doctor actually go into regeneration with his late companions? Because I'm pretty sure Martha at one point definitely knows what regeneration is. I think she... Well, Rose... I'm thinking by the at the time of the regenerations, Rose doesn't know what's happening. Martha never mm. sees the tenth doctor regenerate, but I feel she knows what it is. Mm. Donna Probably does because a, of a work with unit actually, because yeah. doesn't she go work with unit? So she does. That would be why Donna doesn't know because when the tenth doctor starts to regenerate at the end of the stolen earth or whatever it is. Um, she doesn't know. Jack knows. So Jack and Rose are really the only ones who know from this current run. When does Jack find out about regeneration? Well, I imagine when he... see the Doctor as a... Yeah, I think it's when he sees accepted. the Doctor in the next series, in series three, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't remember any kind of like big what the hell's going on, why is your face different scene, or maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, and obviously then when the Jack returns in series 12, I want to say, he's aware that yes. the Doctor can regenerate then and find, and doesn't seem that phased by the fact that the Doctor can also change gender. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of returning characters in this episode. Um, yep, we got the classic Jackie and Mickey. Uh, Jackie, Mickey, Rose, Harriet Jones... Um, who else do we have that returns? I think that might be it, actually. But they're big staple characters from the previous series. I think yeah. that was done because they were maybe worried that audiences would disappear if they've only just got used to Christopher Eccleston. So they want to reassure mm. audiences and give them that familiarity of series one and go, it's the same show, look, everything's still here. It's exactly the same. You know these characters. And of course it gives as a chance to see kind of David Tennant act against those kind of principal characters and see how he interacts mm. with them. And it's interesting for some of them, it's kind of the same and some of them it's kind of different. Like, yeah. 
With, with Harry Jones, I feel like it's more or less the same attitude. But then with like Mickey, he seems much more enthusiastic towards Mickey than Eccleston's doctor ever did. Yeah, and maybe a little bit towards Jackie as well, I think. He seems a bit warmer to Jackie. Not by much. Yeah. Like, he's, he's still a bit... He'd rather Jackie not be <laughs> there. Yeah, no, definitely. But, even you know, the scene at the end... I won't get to it too much. I really like the ending of this, where they're all having Christmas dinner. And even the bit... There's a really sweet bit where the Doctor is clearly really sick and he's in bed shaking and sweating. And Jackie's, like, looking after him and she's got a flannel and she's dapping his... Um, you know, tapping his head with it, and then there's a scene where they're both just asleep, and I was like, you could, I could, I was watching it, trying to imagine it being Chris, and I just couldn't see it. I can't help but wonder if maybe Jackie takes a bit more kindly to this younger, handsome um, looking guy. Well, <laughs> you say that, but when she first Rose. when she first met Chris, the first thing she wanted to do was take all her clothes off of him. She went, "There's a strange man in my bedroom." Yes, there is. Anything could happen. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there's a difference between like wanting to get with a guy um, closer to your age. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the difference between Eccleston's age and uh, yeah. Jackie's age. But <laughs> well, I feel like there's a difference between wanting to get with someone and being comfortable with someone traveling with your daughter. Like maybe like the fact that this younger appearing guy is traveling around with her daughter and doing who knows what. Maybe she's, she's a bit more comfortable with someone like that, <laughs> even if it's just aesthetic, cosmetic, yeah. as opposed to someone who looked the age that Eccleston did. I'm not sure. Yeah, and she thinks he's the possibility he might have two penises as well, because she does indirectly ask. So there's clearly Jackie wants the Doctor. That's another thing we've deducted from this podcast. I feel like every series we sort of find out a weird little subplot that nobody else mm-hmm. has ever seemed to mention. In this one, it's that like Jackie fancies the tenth Doctor. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think how Jackie would react to like, every incarnation of the Doctor. Matt Smith, because I have like I think, think she'd yeah, be she'd like, be oh, he's lovely. <laughs> she, I think she just really like. Yeah, him. No, I feel like she'd want to like mother Matt Smith. Yeah. So then... I don't feel like she'd like Peter Capaldi. I reckon so. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot, a lot of young people like Peter Capaldi. <laughs> I don't think she would like him. I like feel like she'd be a bit like... Topic. It depends which Capaldi you go for. Like, era one Capaldi, he's very strict and quite mean. Whereas towards mm. the end, he's much more hippie, as I always like to put it. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I prefer, like, hippie uni professor Capaldi. Exactly, yeah. Um, first yeah. thing that I noticed... Is the this bigger... a... Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, this is about Capaldi, but, like, the bigger his hair got, the kind of warmer he became... Yeah, he did, like, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, an hour long. The episode's an hour long. Normally 45 minutes. This one's an hour long. An extra 15 minutes of Christmas Day. Apparently Christmas Day 2005 and the 50th anniversary of 2013 warrant the same runtime, which I think is strange. Um, was Save a Doctor only an hour long? I thought it was yeah. an hour 30. No, it's only an hour. Really? I thought Dave Doctor was like a feature length. Let me have a quick look. Day of the Doctor running time. The day of the Doctor is... Oh, no, 77 minutes. Okay, yeah. So not quite 90 minutes, but close Close enough to to be shown in cinemas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Um, yeah, so an hour long. 
it didn't feel like they were filling at any point. It felt like it was a no, story that warranted to be told within an hour. There are some episodes yeah, like of Doctor Who it where it's 45. Pacey. Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, like I said, it was very pacey. You keep going. Yeah, there's episodes of Doctor Who where they're 45 minutes long, and I'm like, okay, there's some padding going on here. But with this, it was just like a solid hour, and, and it didn't feel like it was an hour. You know, like, it's so strange. Hmm. You watch a TV show that's an hour, and you go, yeah, that was an hour of my life. This, I couldn't have told that 15-minute difference. Honestly, I didn't realise. Until you said, I thought it was just another 45-minute episode. <laughs> I didn't realise. Um, I also found this episode to be quite funny as well. There's a lot of humour in it. Mm. Especially Absolutely. the scene where Jackie, Mickey and Rose are watching the telly and the Sycorax appear, and the three of them just in sync jump back and scream. I kind of forgot like how funny they made the Sycorax. They're actually, they really, when it gets to them, they're kind of a bit of a, a bit foolish. Yeah. But they're not actually that threatening. Like mm. they can control people's blood, but they can't make them do anything. Yeah. What did you yeah. think to the Sycorax? I'd like to see them possibly return. I know, spoilers, they get blown up at the end of the episode. But I, you know, that was that can't have more. been all That's of the early Sycorax. Exactly, right? Yeah. I, like mean, I guess it's the thing of like, yeah. What made them effective in this episode was that they had this really, really scary appearance. And yes, they did kind of um, whip, um, laser whip to death a couple of people, including the um, lovely um, Daniel Llewellyn. Yeah, Daniel Llewellyn, aka yep. Daniel Evans. Yeah. I think people know by this point yeah. that he very kindly agreed to come on the podcast. Um, his interview will be coming out shortly after this. Just keep an eye out on our channel and um, our Twitter <laughs> at Bigger on the Inside Pod or Bigger on the Pod. Do you know what it is? I always forget what is the it Twitter Bigger is. Bigger on the Inside Pod. I feel like it might be. Uh, Twitter at Bigger on the Pod. So bigger keep, on the Pod. Yeah, keep an eye on our Twitter page and um, we'll post some updates on that as well. But yeah. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, you were saying about the Sycorax. They're quite, uh, even though they are quite menacing and blood first yeah. they don't actually do that much yeah by the end they don't really pose much of a threat and they're just they're a bit archaic really um like yeah. they like the doctor kind of exposes that they just you they have use this blood control which is just more voodoo than anything they mm. have a sword fight like they're not that advanced no i really like the scene where uh the uh, it's it's either where Rose gets up the TARDIS or when Harriet Jones and everybody get teleported, and you can hear just a crowd of Sycorax all cheering. And but it wasn't like a menacing cheer. It's almost like, oh wow, there's humans here. Almost like they're at a Comic Con and they're like, wow, Harriet Jones is here. This is amazing. And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the fact that like um, there's a bit where Rose like confronts them and tries to like seem like impressive by dropping all the names of the oh, different. Yeah. Alien that she counted in yeah. um sorry, hold on. I think a fire off alarm might be going off in my oh. apartment. No, it's going off in a different apartment to mine. <laughs> um This is gripping. Is that sorry. <laughs> I mean don't see anything on fire. Um and there are false fire alarms in this accommodation all the time. We had a fire alarm the other day, and we all got evacuated. But it was yeah. on the same day that they test the fire alarms. They had a, they tested the fire mm. alarms on the same day they did a test fire drill. 
So the fire alarm went off and everybody just sat there. <laughs> I remember um, I got an email through um, today um, from my accommodation saying like all next week they're going to be like in different accommodations like testing fire alarms. Oh. So that's going to be fun <laughs> if I have to do an online lesson and there was a we'll, we'll get back to Doctor Who. There was a there was a mention at one point where Harriet Jones talks about the possibility that she's writing an autobiography, and that mm. the uh, Downing Street and the government have banned her from publishing it. I think that would be mm. a really fun thing to release as like merchandise, a Harriet Jones autobiography, yeah. and you could read yeah, about what she thought Russell, about everything. If Russell penned a Harriet Jones autobiography, I mean, yeah. I'm guessing Russell has other TV projects he's working on right now. But as a side project, that'd be quite fun to see. Because I know he's written some book stuff for Doctor Who before, hasn't he? Yeah, he did an adaptation of this very episode for the Target books, and he did a Doctor Who poetry book a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, Mickey in this episode, probably the most we see of Mickey in quite a while, the most episode time he gets anyway. Um, One thing I noticed, he's straight away back on his laptop hacking into the government's have security stuff again. Do you think they were trying to pro- pro- possibly make him more of a hacker character? I mean, that's the thing. That's kind of a thing they establish later in the series, isn't it? That he's kind of like the man at the computer. He's the tin dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. Good future yeah. reference. <laughs> mm, it's setting stuff up. And I also noticed Nick Mickey has kind of gone back to his whole um, umming and narring of whether or not to. I just feel bad for him because it's like he's so clearly in love with Rose and Rose is so clearly not in love with him and in love with the Doctor. And yet, despite that, he's still trying to rekindle something. I feel like if Mickey was to go off with somebody and Rose would come back, she wouldn't be pleased that he's now disappeared with some other woman like he has with some other guy. Like she has, sorry, with some other guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, know, I really like the character of Mickey. One thing that I've noticed from rewatching the, these last two seasons, anyway, is that I have a new love for Jackie and Mickey that I didn't have when I first watched it. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, what's the Doctor going to do? What's the Doctor saying? What's he doing? Why is he doing this? And, uh, you know, I'd be like, oh, Jackie and Mickey and all that. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, the Jackie and Mickey. There's another Jackie and Mickey episode. This is great. They, you, they, yeah, so they're far, they've pair. been the great episodes. Hmm. Like, they are in some of like, the highlight scenes, like, they both face off against, uh, in this episode, some of the most just ridiculous foes from the series so far. Um, yeah. Robot Santas with laser brass, a giant spinning Christmas tree of death. The Slovene. Everything happens in Jackie's flat as well, is what I've noticed. The Slovene. Yeah. How many chairs is Jackie going through? Because Mickey smashed one over the back of a Slovene's head and then he threw one in a spinning Christmas tree. She's slowly running out of chairs. Hope she's insured. I don't think it's the same flat that we see in previous episodes, though. I think it's a different flat. I think she's, she's new. Really flat? Yeah, oh. because I'm thinking of the episode in um, where the Doctor sat watching the telly where the Sl- when the Slovene had crash landed, and he sat in that big living room. And we don't really see that in this in this flat. It's more quite small and closed off. And the living room we yeah. do see is a lot smaller, if I remember rightly. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's either that or camera angles, but no, it makes sense. Like, if 
Rose isn't living living with her anymore. Maybe she's resigned to that and downsized. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a really good tenth Doctor scene. I don't feel like we've talked about him that much, even though he's asleep a lot in the episode. He does get a lot of play. Uh, the scene where he's briefly awake, where he talks about an apple in a dressing gown, uh, yeah. on the balcony, where he talks about the pilot fish. I thought that was great because he's almost like fully asleep, then bang straight back. And he sort yeah. of goes from scientific doctor, fun doctor, scary doctor, straight back to sleep. We sort of get three different yeah. waves of this character in like two minutes. And although for like half of the time that he's awake, he's kind of um, struggling to stay awake. I am actually um, impressed with kind of how much of the Tenth Doctor and all of his colors he got to show. Like, while I said that I was a bit unsure if they'd completely figured out what the Tenth Doctor was for Born Again, with this episode, in the times that we see the Tenth Doctor, it feels like they're much closer to kind of the Tenth Doctor that we know and appreciate. You start to see a lot more of the things that you associate with him. Like you said, that kind of really nerdy, analytical um, side of him is really shiny in some of these. Yeah. Like how later on he kind of has that little kind of rambling musing about the uh, tangerine, how that's the last thing at the end of Christmas. Like that was a very temp doctor yeah uh, yeah does he uh i wonder if that's because at the same time uh, 2005 was when david did casanova written mm. by russell and um i that's haven't right. i don't know if you've seen casanova i haven't i know people I who have okay well i know people have seen it and they said the way david is in that is very similar to how he is as the Tenth Doctor, he almost says I lines see. that are very, very similar to what the Tenth Doctor says. So I wonder if Russell mm. sort of played it safe by writing a character that David had already played, that he had already wrote, to secure that mm. the first series would go well, and then over time maybe slightly adjust it and tweak it to make it its own individual thing. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it especially explains why this Doctor has a. Um a sword fight in his first episode. Something that is, while it's a very fun scene, it's yeah. a very undoctory, at least for the term doctor, it's very undoctory to uh, get into hand-to-hand combat. It looks good though. I like the look of it. When I watched it, I was like, oh, this is weird. But then I was like, oh, no, I quite dig it. It's fun. quite fun. Mm. No, it is a lot of fun. And you can kind of tell um, from like that scene onwards when the term doctor is kind of fully awake, he's had his tea and he's all perked up. David Tennant is just having so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was watching this episode, um, I know when we watched that first series, it was all very exciting because we were doing the podcast. And I was slightly thinking, oh, if we get to the second series, we're going to run out of like things to talk about. But I suddenly started watching this episode and all like the excitement of this time of Doctor Who and David Tennant. David Tennant was Doctor Who and I started watching it. So to sort of hear all like the music coming back and these little musical tweaks from Murray Gold and lines of dialogue that I haven't heard in about six or seven years now since I last watched these episodes. It brought it was really exciting and I spent a lot of the episode just with a huge smile on my face. Like when the Sycorax starts speaking English and you realise he's back and the camera slowly um, moves him forward towards the TARDIS doors. He opens the TARDIS doors and he says, did you miss me? I was like, this is brilliant. I'm yeah. totally on board for this. I don't know if anybody listening to this had one of these as well, but I know a lot of the quotes from this episode because I used to own a TARDIS money box 
that if you would push the doors, it would trigger a little sound bite. But all the sound bites were only from this episode. Because this was the only 10 episode they'd come out. Yeah. So, like, there was, like, no second chances on that sort of a man. Uh, remote control, but who's controlling it? Did you miss me? Um, and I think there was a fourth one, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But as I was watching this, I was like, oh, that brings back memories of sitting on a bed endlessly, just pushing this TARDIS door, listening to the same four catchphrases over and over again. But now that you've mentioned I mean, that it was the only episode that had gone out at this point, so that's why it was the only one with all those quotes in it, yeah. I mean, maybe that is um, why we get shown <laughs> so many sides of the doctor in this. It was just like, they wanted to get as many like key doctory lines of dialogue so they could use it in all of them. Yeah. Merch and toys. Um, um, talk- sorry, go on. That just um, there's one thing that you kind of mentioned about this feeling so fresh and exciting, and another thing I mentioned earlier about there being a lot of humor in this episode, and something that crossed my mind that's kind of linked to those two points is that in many ways, like just the energy of this episode, it doesn't feel like a completely different show, but there's definitely a tonal shift. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like Eccleston felt a lot more kind of like I don't know. I want to say grounded, like Eccleston's doctor and his introduction felt like a much more kind of grounded, down to earth, lived in affair, which I guess made sense because they were reintroducing all of Doctor Who to mm. audiences, so they had to keep it grounded. But then with this, it feels like Russell was a lot more comfortable to go to much more heightened, a little bit fantastical, a little bit like silly in the best way areas. Mm. I wonder if that would have stayed if Chris was still the Doctor. Would that have stayed or do you think it would have changed? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know how much of it is him kind of reworking the show to suit the kind of energy um, that and kind of much more evident kind of quirkiness the tenant has Mm. or if kind of this is the direction it would have gone in anyway. Like, you know, if um, if Eccleston's first foe had been robotic Santas and evil Christmas trees um, and like the sicker acts. I feel like audiences would have been like not on board. They're like, oh, this is silly, like stuff from the 80s. Mm, uh, yeah. But now we've had a whole year. It's like you're, everyone, everyone's like ready to go with wherever the show goes now. I wonder how many. Uh... Viewing figures this got when it went out. I bet it got. It would have been one of the most viewed things, uh, I imagine. What is the most viewed Doctor Who Christmas? I know the most viewed Doctor Who Christmas special is um, Voyage of the Damned. Um, really? Yeah, I'm just looking at here. I found a list. Um, the most viewed Doctor Who Christmas specials. Um. The Return of Doctor Mysterio had eight point twenty one million. The husband That's not of bad. the husband of that's just what I was thinking. The husband of River Song eight point twenty seven. Twice upon a time eight point twenty eight. The Runaway Bride nine point three five million. Last Christmas, which is um, with Nick Frost as Santa Claus, I think, oh, is yeah. nine point six two million. The Christmas Invasion, 9.84 million people watch this episode go out live. 
The Snowman with Richard E. Grant, 9.87 million. The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe, 10.77 million people. Um, Matt Smith's final episode, The Time of the Doctor, 11.14 million people watched that. This is insane. The End of Time, part one, 12 million and 0.4 people. Uh, A Christmas Carol, 12.11 million. Oh my God, this is insane. The Next Doctor with David Morrissey, 13.1 million people. And Voyage of the Dam with 13.31 million people. That's insane. You don't get TV I mean, numbers like that anymore. That's the thing. Like, it's, hard, it's easy to forget just how big Doctor Who was in this country, particularly when it was Tennant and Smith. Like, for, year, like, for like four years, you know, on the, maybe on the trot, um well more five years on the trot like david tennant's doctor was like synonymous with christmas day tv like they even had the bumper with him with the reindeers and the tardis like yeah david tennant the doctor who christmas day it was just like part of like the country's that was timetable without sounding too nerdy but when i was a kid christmas day for me was presence and doctor who that's what it was i was the mm. reason i think i was more excited on christmas day for doctor who than anything else because i knew it was going to be good and i was like the christmas special like, yeah it was event tv like the closest thing i can think of recently to having the same impact was um gavin and stacy yeah christmas and just that's been, just what i was, was gonna that, say yeah that was, that was i mean that was absolutely massive and that was brilliant gavin and stacy Christmas special was, 2019. That's one of the most that was one of the most viewed things of the last decade, that Gavin and Stacey special. Yeah, it had that got insane uh, Gavin and Stacey 2019 Christmas special had eleven point six million people watch it. Uh, also, making um, it the biggest of the decade. <laughs> it was the biggest show mm. on BBC One for the last ten years. <laughs> so um that being said, there were a few Doctor Who episodes more than a few that uh be got out Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, but nothing. It kind just... of shows. Sorry, go on. How huge. I mean, yeah, it just kind of shows like we forget it now because, well, Doctor Who's still popular and it's still kind of, you know, an institution. It is nowhere near the juggernaut in this country, at least that it was back in the early 2000s and early 2010s. Yeah. Right? It was huge. And you forget how huge it was. Yeah. Uh, whilst we're talking about TV viewing figures, this stuff always amazes me. As a film student um, who loves TV more than anything, TV viewing figures always fascinate me, especially when you look at 70s and 80s. Uh, whilst we're talking about Christmas Day TV, at least here in the UK, uh, a soft tradition that slowly I feel is becoming less and less traditional is more common wise on Christmas Day. In 1977... 27 million people watched their uh, Christmas special go out. 27 million people watched Markham and Wise on Christmas Day. It's insane. Like, you think about like sell arenas, like the O2 or something. Where how, how many people are in like can you fit in the O2? Like oh, so a few thousand? Oh, yeah. Like, imagine like, you know, 
a thousand O2 arena arenas worth. 20,000 people, people like, in the O2. So yeah, like 20 million is a... Um, 27 a, million? Yeah, two and a thousand, yeah. 27 million. Imagine a thousand O2 arenas worth of people watching your thing. 1,350 like, O2 arenas. <laughs> It's insane. It's like I can't even you can't even imagine it. That many people. You can't quantify. Like it's hard to imagine that many people exist in this <laughs> country when they do. They have to do. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Anyway, back to Doctor Who. Torchwood, we get our first mention of Torchwood. Uh, later mm. become more um, prominent in series three anyway, towards the end of series two as well. Um that's this season's arc, isn't it? If I remember rightly, we have Bad Wolf, Torchwood, yeah. Vote Saxon. Yeah. Am I right there? One thing I actually didn't, yeah, one thing I actually didn't realize about Torchwood was that I didn't realize there was a period of time in the show where Torchwood and Unit coexisted. Because yeah. in my yeah. mind, they served pretty similar functions. But actually, I mean, is it a soldier from Units? Who Harriet Jones asks about Torchwood? I think it is. Yeah, the the Colonel. I think she calls him. Yeah, not Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, she says Doctor Llewellyn and the Colonel. I think she said, but yeah, and she's not. She's not even supposed to know about Torchwood at all. Um, what I mean, we talking about? Of, Sorry, go on. I, I I can't quite figure out what different functions they serve like what does Torchwood do that unit wasn't already doing is Torchwood just much more of an like on the offense a much more kind of yeah I think so and I think they don't often follow I know well I'm looking more catching Jack Torchwood era they don't tend to follow police custody or police rules and they sort of exist outside the police and they don't, the police don't really know who they are sort of thing. Yeah, whereas Unit is much more apparent. I mean, I've yeah. said they're both still like, you know, somewhat secretive alien exactly, <laughs> organisations. Right. Um, I'm no scientist and I know that when they do send stuff into space, they might put us, you know, some music playing, a film, a book, something like that. Why did Dr. Llewellyn think it was a good idea to put human blood on a on the Gwen on the spacecraft, human blood. You're just asking for trouble, are you? I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if like we found an alien satellite containing alien blood. What would we as humans realistically? I mean, would us as humans just be like, what the hell do we do with this blood, or would we like want to, you know, pull it apart and find out as much about? I guess it's kind of just a. Offer of openness. It's still a big saying, risk, like, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't think they were anticipating that their blood would be able to be reverse engineered in order to control them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, is there anything you want to talk about? I'm getting towards the end of my notes now, so... Um, let's see. Oh, um, I know what we could talk about. The David Tennant ending with him coming out the TARDIS and just going full... Tenth Doctor, everything that you're gonna see yes. over the next three seasons, you get in this yes. five minute definitely. segment. Yeah, we definitely need to talk about the Tenth Doctor's costume. 
Like that is. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> You're a big fan. I love What's it. it you love so much, Bob. I love the, the brown coat. Suit, the I love the dry. coat so much, and I think it's when he put it on. I forgot how good it looked. It looks so. I'm no fashion expert. I don't know anything about costume design. But when David Tennant wears that suit, it looks amazing. You could put that, like you see people at conventions who are wearing the suit, and it's pinpoint accurate, but it doesn't look right until. He looks in the mirror and he sees himself in that suit and it just looks perfect. It looks like if I I often think if I had to draw Doctor Who and someone said you have to design a new costume for the Doctor before I'd seen Tenant, that would be something I would consider drawing. Yeah. I mean I just, imagine don't the uh, actors playing the Doctor always get to have at least in you who don't they always get to have a bit of a hand in picking out the costume. Yeah, I remember hearing somewhere, I think it was an interview with Rusty Russell and Julie Gardner, the executive producer, where they were talking to David on the phone about possibly playing the Doctor. And he said, I think he said, oh, okay, but if I do it, I want to wear Converse's. <laughs> and then they were like, that's a bit of a strange thing to say. And then later on he went, oh, and I'd like to wear a big coat. And they said, oh, by that point, we knew he was going to do it because you wouldn't even be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think... Mean, I'll, it makes I, sense. I, sorry, though. go on. It makes sense. I mean, both of those things, if you think about the Doctor from a practical sense, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, of course, you wouldn't want to wear smart shoes. You want to wear Converse because you'll be running around a lot. Yeah. And, of course, you want to cope because... You're going to all sorts of places, so you want to kind of be prepared for all of those different elements. Yeah, and then the suit just looks really nice. Do you like it? What do you think of that costume? Um, I mean, I've always been one who said that I kind of prefer the doctor suits that come from a more practical point of view. Like, I like how like Eccleston's is very kind of gets the job done, very practical, and then Jodie's is similarly. It's stylish, but it has a very practical purpose. Like, you know, I remember them making a big deal about the fact that <laughs> the coat and the trousers had pockets. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, I mean, I feel like the Temp Doctor is the kind of character, you know, he is quite a romantic. So it makes a lot of sense for him to want to dress up in this um kind of quirky stylish pinstripe get up it feels very right for his character and similarly yeah. like once he put it on he kind of walked into Jackie's apartment beaming i was like yeah that that that's <laughs> it just gave, it gave me those warm fuzzies yeah um, cuz this is my go on, yeah. doctor this is the doctor I grew up with exactly right yeah. same here one of my first notes i wrote down was uh, my Doctor Who and just a load of explanation marks but I always think it's important that these have to work in silhouette as well. If you can't put a character in silhouette and still tell who it is it could be anybody yeah. from any show so the fact that if you put 10 in a silhouette you know it's 10 if you put 11 in a silhouette yeah. you know it's him and so on and so on so I mean it's, it's, it's not just the, the suit it's the hair like the hair is quite <laughs> yeah. you know, that big spiky thing exactly right um, 
Oh yeah, I, mean, I just love that costume. I remember being a kid and wanting one of those coats so bad. Like, oh, someone's got to get yeah. me one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this isn't a defining way to judge a doctor, but I feel like it's kind of an interesting perspective of it. Of a good way for assessing how good a doctor is is firstly how much you miss them when they're gone, yeah. and secondly how quickly you get used to them when they take over. And I, I feel bad saying this because I, you know, I was very open about how much I loved Eccleston. Mm. But with that being said, by the end of this episode, <laughs> I wasn't really missing Chris all that much. No, it was exactly like, the same. I was like very ready to get on board with um, Tenant. I'm like all geared up for it now. Yeah, there was a first few minutes where I was like, oh, I don't remember. I thought it was a bit more fun than this. And I was a bit nervous because I was like, this is my Doctor Who and this is what I watch this is like defines a huge part of me then I was like you said by the end of it I was like more give me more <laughs> oh Harry's broken this isn't the man that she oh, you're back. ran sorry. away with wait wait shut up <laughs> you broke up sorry I was going to say like Russell really kind of stacked the cards against the from the start with Rose having the whole bit where she's really upset and crying about how he's not the doctor that she ran away with she's not the yeah. doctor who she knows and can trust and rely on mm. um, you've, you've been watching this on BBC iPlayer I don't know if they include it on BBC iPlayer but something I always loved as a kid when watching Doctor Who was the next time trailers where it, says it did next happen time. next time did it? it did happen next time did you watch it? yeah I did uh, it yeah. looks so good doesn't it like it's such a good just a looking series of clockwork droids, werewolves, Cybermen. Um, what else do we have this series that's coming up? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Daleks are back. Torchwood. I feel like I'm missing something here. What am I missing? Face of Bo. Yeah. Uh, the cat people. The cat people. What else do we have? I feel like I'm missing big episodes here. There's the there's episode one. We have the face of Bo. Episode two, you have woman in the fireplace. Yeah, yeah. You have episode two. You have the werewolf. Then the girl in the fireplace with the clockwork droids. What's Yo, after that? Oh, the that the Olympics special with. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Hair. Um, oh, love and monsters. We get to do that this time round as well. So excited for love and monsters. Same here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll One thing to... I just want to mention because I feel like because we're talking about next time, we're going to be wrapping up soon. One thing that I feel like I really noticed, especially towards the end of this episode, was that the romantic implications between the Doctor and Rose are much, much more explicit now. Oh, like, there's, yeah. no, there's no doubt about it that their relationship is a romantic one. Yeah. Like, the way, like they're holding hands together in the snow, getting really close and looking at each other. And right in front of Mickey, which on one <laughs> hand, it's like, <laughs> like Mickey's like right there. Like when it pans out on the four of them, Mickey's like still looking at the two of them. What's he doing in that scene? I want to try and find it. I think, I think he's just kind of looking quite, you know, forlornly over at Rose and the Doctor. Let me try and find it here. The Christmas Invasion. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Skip right to the end. 
Yeah, like they're getting all close and cuddly together, like yeah. in the romantic. Well, it's, it's not snow; it's ashes. But you know, it's still a very romantic picture. Yeah. So I'm watching it now. It's panning out. The Doctor and Rose are there. I hear Mickey's just staring at them. <laughs> oh, poor Mickey! Oh, okay. He's just such a cuckold. I mean, <laughs> I feel... That's. Mm. <laughs> I mean, can I have two minds about Mickey? Um... On one hand, like, yeah, I feel bad for him because, like, his girlfriend's kind of ran off with this, like, guy who was, like, literally out of this world. But on the other hand, at this point, maybe you should start, you know, letting go. Have some respect for yourself. I mean, yeah, just kind of, like, move on. Like, clearly she's not into you anymore, dude. Like, yeah, you're going to have to get over it at some point. I mean, that's what happens in this series anyway, so... Um, Russell was aware of that as well. Yeah. So uh, we mentioned it earlier on. Coming up shortly after this, we'll have um, an interview with uh, Daniel Evans, actor, beta producer, who played Dr. Llewellyn in this. It's a really fun interview. Did I send you the link if you listened to it? Yeah, I did. I did. He was even, oh, so good. Such a lovely guy. And I didn't realize that he'd done so much. Like, he produced everybody's talking about Jamie. He's won Olivier's. Like, yeah, man. He's crazy. A good... Yeah, it's crazy that he came on and chatted to me for about half an hour, I think we spoke for. Um, and there is a lot of fun Doctor Who stories that I don't think a lot of people knew. And the same with Albert Valentine as well. That's out now. You can listen to that on iTunes and on um, on our YouTube channel as well. Where, who, For those who don't know, is the empty child in Doctor Who. I think it's the first interview he's ever done. So that was immensely exciting to talk to him and find out loads of stories about Christopher Eccleston falling over and going for drinks in pubs and stuff like that. It was great fun. Um, but before we wrap up, it's um, because it's Christmas, I thought I'd bring back the quiz. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. A Christmas quiz. It's got nothing to do with Christmas, about for the fact it's the Doctor Christmas special. Um... One, two, three questions for you today, Harold, as always. I expect you to get at least one of these right. Um, mm-hmm. So, when um, Rose is trying to phone up her mother, trying to phone Jackie to tell her to you know, leave the house and get a doctor when all the Santa Clauses are shooting at them in town, Jackie's on the phone and she's saying to her friend on the phone, she says, she just turns up and she can't expect a Christmas dinner all she's going to get for Christmas dinner is what? I can't remember this line. Oh, what was it? Was it like, was it like tins of spam or something? Uh, meat paste. Oh. And when they're trying to find somewhere to go and hide, which cousin do they suggest going to see? Oh, what was her name? Yeah, it's cousin. I know she lived in the Peak District. I will give you a hint. I will give you a hint. This character's cousin blank is the name of a character in The Simpsons. Maggie. Mo. Cousin Maggie. Cousin Mo. Ah! Uh, Last question. We're not doing well here, Harry. What is Jackie's new boyfriend called? Oh, the one who the um. The one who wears the dressing gown. Uh, gets dressing gown belongs to. Yeah. Is, it, is it Clive? 
It's Howard. Ah! I am terrible at these. You got zero out of three there. Disgusting. I know. Well, thank you all for listening, guys. We're starting to end on such a low point on Christmas. <laughs> right, I've ruined everyone's Christmas. Oh, dear me. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with Series 2. But just before then, um, I'd just like to say, I'm just trying to find what I want to say, what I would... Mm, I don't know if this is going to work. I think it's going to work. Okay. What I'd like to say, Harry, is just a quick, um, well, I woke up today and the world was a restless place. It could have been that way for me. And I wandered around and I thought of your face that Christmas looking back at me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I wish today was just like every other day. Because today has been the best day. Everything I ever dreamed. Merry Christmas, Harry. (laughs) You look so happy. It's a good song. Uh, nothing against you, Murray Gold. I love your music. Um, I love your work on Doctor Who and um, other shows. But... I didn't do it just Bye-bye. <laughs> did he write that song? Uh, did he write that song? I thought Murray Gold wrote that song. I don't think he did. Oh, yeah, he did write it, but he didn't sing it, obviously. No, it's like, yeah. Oh, also stay tuned because we've got a fun Series 2 trailer coming out with a very special guest in the trailer. So keep an eye out for that. Bye, everybody. Well, I woke up today And the world was a restless place It could have been that way for me And I wandered around And I thought of your face That Christmas looking back at me Oh, I wish today could be like every other day Cause today has been the best day started to walk Pretty soon I will run And I'll come running back to you Cause you are my star And that's what you are I had a merry time with you Oh I wish today Today has been the best day Everything I ever dreamed So have a good life Do it for me Make me so proud Like you want me to be Wherever you are I'm thinking of you Oceans apart I want you to know 
today has been the best day Everything I ever dreamed I wish today could be like every other day Cause today has been the best day Everything I ever Don't forget to click below and subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.